it's the holiday season. <laughs> Hi, Danny. What's going on? Welcome happy, back. Happy holidays. Happy holidays or hula days, depending on uh, depending on the VIP <laughs> your days. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, man. We're back from we Halloween. So we are refreshed, and um, we're getting into our holiday shows. Well, I guess you know, all the scary stuff is over because you know it's October's over, and that's the only time that there's any scary stuff is during. October, right? Blasphemous. No, never. <laughs> You're telling me that you can have horror, you can have slashers paradise fun throughout the year? Absolutely. Oh my. Especially during Christmas, which I find to be one of the creepiest times of the year, actually. You know, um, it's actually pretty terrifying. You, as a kid, are you believe, and because it's true, by the way, it's absolutely true, true. that if you... That is, <laughs> It's this jolly man, this jolly fat man who uh, slides down your chimney. If you don't have a chimney, he finds a way in. I think that was probably the wor- the, the part that always got me. Yep. I mean, yes, we were blessed to have uh, you know the, a chimney, and it yeah. was it was fine. I remember mm-hmm. going on top of the roof and looking down the chimney hole, and it's not a huge it's, hole. No. It's not. It's a tiny. I mean, the chimney itself, but you know, is you got to fit a lot of stuff in there, wood and whatnot. But like the the hole in the top is not big at all. No. So like, I was like, no, first of all, he ain't getting down here, but right. that always creeped me out. They would always say, if you don't have a chimney, cause it was that one kid in class mm-hmm. or many kids did not have chimneys. I don't know what I'm doing here, but, uh, they were <laughs> like, yeah, I don't have a chimney. So I'm, I guess I'm not getting any presents. And the, the teacher would be like, no, he can get in. He can get in. Yeah. <laughs> How terrifying that Santa has like all all the passcodes. <laughs> he has the call box. Well, that's the thing. It's like we're totally trusting of this guy to not only like come in and leave us gifts and come in, you know, peacefully and not terrorize <laughs> us, but also to like lock the door on the way out. Right. <laughs> you know but only I mean? if you've been good, right? If, right. If you've been uh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Because if you're, I mean, obviously you say naughty to certain in certain uh circles Where and naughty is just take no because it's like you have to be good or bad is way i think most people you know are comfortable with referring it to as far as like behavior because if you say like well you got to be are you going to be naughty or nice and there's that one person's like oh, i guess i'm going to be extra naughty because yeah it's like you times know, have changed yes yeah. absolutely right. uh but yeah the, i mean the the older i got the more i went there's no way santa claus is getting down my chimney i do have a, a chimney and all that but there's no way so he's he's breaking in uh, on the creepy garage door, probably. Right. That's where everyone's going to come in. And let's house. just say that you thought to yourself, uh, this was probably a wash year for me, Santa. Yeah. I uh, I did some things. I cheated on like four tests yep. during the year. This is a wash. So you're like mad and stuff. Uh, and you just take it upon yourself to like make it harder for Santa to get in. But like, you know, he always found a way. But at, at the end of the day, this is Slash's Paradise. So imagine a man breaking into your home. On Christmas night. Unbeknownst to you when and where. Exactly. And then you would stay up, right? You would try to stay up mm-hmm. and watch and listen. And then there was reindeer that would land on your roof. And then <laughs> presents would appear under your Christmas tree. Yeah. God, what a, what a creepy man. Is it just me or like, did you stay up and always feel drugged? Like on the nights that you stayed up, you're like, I got drugged last night because I couldn't stay awake. I can stay awake throughout the rest of the year. But on Christmas Eve, every time I definitely got drugged by the reindeer, the fairy dust from the North Pole or something. It's so weird. Yes. I was able to stay up all the time. Uh, 
I hope there's no. Uh, I'll just tell a quick, really quick story about uh, when Santa was ruined for me. Uh, is I have an older brother, and um, Henry was is very much, uh, you know, well, what's where, where's the what's the catch? You know, he's that type of guy. Well, what's the catch? You know, right, right. I need to know the truth. You know, <laughs> and um, he, he, we'd be doing something, and you know, uh, he'd be like, "All right, well, this is too good to be true." He's one of those, right? Yeah. So, uh, it's Christmas Eve and we both had separate bedrooms, but we're at that age where like, we were kind of scared to sleep in our, you know, our own bedrooms or whatever. So we had two twin beds on opposite sides of one room, totally ridiculously not managing the space. Anyway, uh, one night <laughs> Henry said, oh, the, that night, Christmas Eve, Henry said, we, and my parents said, go to bed and if in the morning, you know, Santa's going to bring you presents. And Henry was like. I don't believe this shit. You know, <laughs> yeah, he's one I, of those. Yeah, he was like, I don't believe this shit. So, uh, I'll ner- I'm I'm a good I'm the good kid, right? I, 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 you know, I'm just listening. I'm laying in my bed and I'm asleep, and then I get awoken because I hear our door, which was kind of like you know, it gets stuck in the threshold, just open, mm-hmm. and I was like. I wake up. I was like, oh, God, Santa came to like tell me personally. You're like, you're an excellent kid. No, wow. it was my brother opening the door and he's now um, army crawling <laughs> on the cover because we're upstairs. <laughs> and what you're going to you're going to have to do is army crawl out of the bedroom, go down the stairs to about the mm-hmm. third or fourth from the top so that you could peer into the great room right. where the Christmas tree was. Yeah, I had the same, I had the same set of our yeah. house. Yeah. So he's like, I'm going to find out. I'm like, no, Henry, stop. Don't do it, please. They're going to know. And he's like, shh. You know? And he crawls and I, and he's like, now, now he's like, and you have to join me. And I'm like, why do I have to get in trouble with you? He's like, no, so you yeah. can be a part of it. So he's army crawling, you know, and he goes down and he looks and I see only the feet now sticking up from the bedroom and i'm like no 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 i go back into my bed yeah that's some stress that's I mean, some anxiety. i'm like i can't do it i am so i jump back into my bed and i'm like at that point i'm like praying that santa doesn't see henry and he get and i just hear him go and he's coming back into the room closes the door santa's not real it's mom and dad and he just lays back in bed, oh, destroying man. my world, destroying it. He ruined it because Santa Claus is real. But Absolutely. once you do the, once you go against the rules, he's then not real anymore. He's not gonna, we'll see. Then what happened was he knew that he needed to be proven extra wrong, right? Uh-huh. So it's the Christmas morning, and my mom's doing one of these. She's like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah, the tired eyes, the tired are... eyes." You know, we're opening all the presents. Mm-hmm. I'm losing it. And uh, I'll take a drink here in a minute. Uh, and <laughs> it's the mom. Henry's thing. like, you know, opening the presents. Like, I saw you guys. And mom, oh, like, man, what do you mean? I saw you guys putting presents. And and then mom was like, well, yeah, we we were putting presents for you guys. Well, what I thought you said Santa would do it. Yeah, Santa came after we went to bed. And Henry just went, oh shit. <sighs> Oh gosh! Oh, I miss I misplayed this whole thing. So good on your parents. It was man. yeah. Mom uh, was like, "That's where I get the improv." It was right then and there. She, wow, she, she figured it out. So yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, man. I think I didn't catch anything happening, but I remember waking up. We okay. So Christmas lights back in the day, a lot dimmer than they are now. So we had this huge Christmas tree. We had like the cathedral ceiling. So the tree would come up to almost the second level. Like it was huge. 
And my dad, my poor dad would put like a hundred sets of lights in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they're all so dimly light. So when you like look down into the tree from the second story, it was like the most dimly lit thing. And you could, it was like your imagination could just go off. There could be anything down there. And it's like, Oh God, it's kind of scary, but it's Christmas. <laughs> and I remember there's a few Christmas Eve's where I go and just kind of look and creep myself out. Cause I was that kid. And I remember I see from the top of the stairs, but that's where my parents' bedroom is. The, the top of the stairs goes directly into their bedroom and I'm around the corner. I see this white flash go <laughs> right into their bedroom and it was hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, what is that? And I ran back to bed like, oh, I didn't see him. I didn't see him. I didn't it was, see it him. Was the white flash. It was a white flash. That year he was wearing the white robes. Santa yeah. Claus was. Because so. he is, he does, uh, depending on how cold it is, <laughs> yes. you know. Yeah. He's got many different looks. It's not just the red and white. He's got the know? alternate outfit. Fits, you know yeah and that year he was all white man it was a white christmas gosh speaking man. of white christmas let's talk about black christmas Ooh. my one of my favorite horror films because every time i watch it it becomes even more of a favorite horror film for mm-hmm. me uh danny what's your experience with black christmas lance i'm gonna say something oh i'm gonna say something that uh i didn't think that i was capable of saying, given how much of a fan I am of Senor Michael and uh, <laughs> Halloween, the franchise. Yes. Black Christmas was the absolute OG slasher film. Yes. Everything after it might have drawn its inspiration from Black Christmas. Yes. This is the first this is the OG and I will I am big enough to say Black Christmas started it all. Mm-hmm. Halloween elevated it. Yeah. And people remember Halloween for it being, you know, iconic to the slasher franchise, but the slasher genre started with this big bad boy. Yes. And you know what? It stands on its own two feet oh. very effing well. Yes. And I, I call it the subconscious genesis for horror films because oh. I think a lot of people, I don't hear a lot of people ever mention Black Christmas anymore. Like, I remember way, way, way back before it became so popular, a lot of people were saying that Halloween in the pre, pre, pre production was supposed to be like a sequel to Black Christmas. And then it, you know, went, went its direction. Dealing with holidays. Right. Maybe. Kind of. Nobody really talks about Black Christmas. I feel like it's one of the most underrated things, but there's so many elements in this movie that you will see for the next few decades and even to this day Mm -hmm. that all came from Black Christmas. Now, Black Christmas comes out in 1974, same year as Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. Um, Two different uh, movies. Very different movies, but if you combine the two of them, we got a mass killer in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then we have this incredible just there's just layers and layers and layers in black christmas that you just get to unwrap it's like an unwrapping gifts at christmas like under the tree you know there's just so many little storylines on top of each other and it just meshes so well and it's so natural that all these scenes kind of bled over literally for the next several decades in horror films and that's i call the the genesis of of our modern day horror film i i I definitely see that. You know, I mean, first of all, this movie itself uh, doesn't pull any punches. It, mm. it it really, you know, you're talking about the early 70s. And this, this I want to say that this takes as much um, uh, or has as much ambition as far as like how over the top 
uh, profanity is going to be used and like maybe how uh, grotesque some things are said or like how much horror and terror you're actually going to show. Yeah. I think that's probably the, the, the turn. I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out in the same year. I think it's totally on brand because I think uh, at least on camera and not to say the horror hasn't come out before then and they haven't, you know, hasn't been scary situations, but on camera, we're going to start to see a lot more uh, of the curtain peeled back, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. where they're going to let you see a lot more. Whereas I think before this point and earlier horror, it was very much on surface, like, and I'm taking a huge jump, but like, think about the universal monsters, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Anytime you would see the monster actually do anything, it was like, he, you know, grabs some, like the, the Frankenstein monster mm -hmm. grabs somebody and then he like the guy drops, right? That's right. like that as much horror and like yeah. evisceration that you see. But at the time it was shocking as hell. Oh, I mean, there's people getting carried out of the, the movie theaters and shit for that. For, yeah, for yeah, fainting. They're like, and they now see this, you, you hear about it or maybe you imagine it, but now it's going to be like, well, no, everything that you thought is true mm -hmm. is true yeah. and not, not only that we're gonna show it to you mm -hmm. it's like what what's more terrifying it's so terrifying i mean you're getting the the movies about centers around being uh the sorority girls being stalked and it's like okay i'm not a sorority girl but i what if i was stalked right you know it's terrifying right uh, and i think the gore and horror starts to amp up because we've been through a few wars a lot of our population mm -hmm. is now seeing they've been through war and uh whether it was world war ii and now i think vietnam was during the 60s like oh you got you got veterans coming back from the war they're yes. missing limbs you know um, yeah it's very the coverage of it was very much in your face i mean to be alive during that time would have been something i'm sure to experience that as it was happening. I mean, I mean, right. it's not to say that we're not going through unprecedented times currently right. that we'll probably see. And we already have seen being, um, shown and, uh, you know, kind of, uh, inspiring current horror films. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, that's definitely a testament of the time is like, everyone was, I don't want to say des desensitized, but they were definitely, shown a lot yeah real horror right with like as you mentioned the wars that we were so going now you start country. yeah you start adding that through these movies because everyone's going oh, that's not real that's oh shit that's real yeah i've seen that you know and and these stories kind of keep coming back so that's why horror i think continues to to progress from this point on is really from vietnam war but well it's not a fantastical i mean getting back to you know the the universal monsters what we're seeing here is a more uh real based could be anybody scary right. uh, horror, mm -hmm. you know? And I think even so for Texas Chainsaw, you can t make that argument. I think it's a little bit more of a boogeyman with the, the, the deal, the mm -hmm. guy of Leatherface. It's a very specific situation. But this, this is an everyday America town. It can happen in anywhere. Yes. Yeah, like it, it's every, it could be any college town, mm -hmm. anything. All right. With that, ah, Danny. Yes. Let's have our pumpkin spiced eggnog for the holidays mm. go ahead danny black christmas 1974 go a movie about a group of sorority sisters stalked by a stranger And that is the shortest <laughs> pumpkin spice eggnog we'll probably have. The simplest explanations and that's, are always the best. It's, yes. Uh, this movie is in incredibly creepy. And it, it goes back to the point. I'm going to sound like I'm contradicting myself about the Halloween series. But it is incredible because this 
is at random. Mm -hmm. This turns out to be such a random thing, but we'll get back to that. Yes, Lance, you are contradicting yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, it works for me in this no, in this right. sense because it is so creepy. The opening shot is the how the sorority house. And it's got the Christmas lights, so we know it's Christmas time. Yes. There's but, snow everywhere. But think about how the movie does start. Lights up, mm -hmm. house, Black Christmas. Yeah. Title. Yeah. Title card. And, and also a random going. stranger walking by in the shadows, mm -hmm. which I love. I don't think it... I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but it's a great little like, ooh, okay. And just so uh, you guys are... Uh, aware if you have not seen this movie Black Christmas stop this podcast right now and watch it uh, if you want to be surprised yes and, um, please spoilers uh, are definitely ahead um, and it's yeah. a great it's a great movie we've already talked about how much we like it um, I, again going back to our personal experiences this movie was hard to find for so many years for me right. like again nobody really talked about it during the 90s when i was doing my little research and all yeah, this kind of yeah, i yeah. just kind of heard references of it so it was really incredibly hard to find at a certain time in life and uh, once i finally saw it it is a dated movie it's 1974 but it doesn't feel dated when you watch it and it's this good it's written well it's acted well so go watch it if you if you haven't already yeah, it's uh streaming on uh shutter I believe, or uh, AMZ Plus. If you, if <laughs> anyway, let's dive in let's to do Black it. Christmas 1974. Well, first of all, we got to talk about the big heavy hitters of uh, actors and actresses, or all actors, uh, that you may recognize oh, upon yeah. watching this movie. You get a very uh, foul-mouthed, uh, liquor, alcohol-drinking, hilarious character by the name of Barb, played Barb. by Lois Lane herself, Margot Kidder, yeah. from uh, Lois Lane from the Christopher Reeve Supermans. Um, she is fantastic in this movie. Uh, if you've seen her as Lois Lane before you've seen this, you're going to be like, oh my God, Lois. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, the mouth. Yeah. Yes. I mean, she's just a... She's just a I mean, it's, it's alluded to that uh, she's got some problems. Uh, her mom maybe is, you know, kind of uh, still dating at that at that time. Yeah. So she has plans to go home and her mom kind of cancels on her. So uh, she lets that be her disappointment be shown through by her drinking. Yes, and, her and it is constant. She's always drinking. She's even in a police station at one point. Turns it back to the cop and cracks open a beer and chucks it down. Like, She's hilarious in this movie. I uh, also think in the first quarter or half of the movie, she kind of steals a show where you're like, is she the main character? Well, that's the thing is that like when you're watching, you're like, oh, this is this is a Barb movie. This yeah. is a, this is Margot Kidder's movie, and it's mm -hmm. not. It's not. I mean, no. she's not. Not that she's not in it quite a bit, and she doesn't have her moments. But yeah, like you mentioned, she definitely steals the show right off the bat. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't think it's. I don't think it has anything to do with um, the fact that. I mean, we see her as Lois Lane, so we're like, oh, you know, it's Lois Lane or whatever. But no, I think it has everything to do with her presence on camera. The yeah. camera loves her. Yeah. She just is, she just looks so – and first, for it being as dated as it is, there's some really cool, interesting shots. Lots of POV. Yeah. Because you oh, get yes. the you get the the point of view from the, of the killer, which we've seen in uh, Halloween, uh, very little because compared to we get a lot of POV, more POV in this one than we do in Halloween because yeah. you see Michael a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really effective in this one. Yeah, it's like shoot. Uh, basically, what happens is a group of girls, uh, sorority sisters, are at their house, and it's like the day or two before Christmas break is about to just take into effect right winter break and remember uh, winter break because 
this is technically a holiday film, but it's not a Christmas film by any means. It's just kind of happening during Christmas break, winter break, and all that kind of stuff. So, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's called. Uh, first of all, it's called, I mean, it is called Black Christmas, right. and you have some elements like the house is decorated a little mm-hmm. bit, but the focus isn't on the fact that it's Christmas. No. It's just during the time of Christmas. It's yeah. almost like a backdrop kind of a thing. It's, to me. Co- it's college, right? Mm-hmm. They're yeah. they're going on their winter break. Yeah. A lot of them have uh, so a lot. You, you meet a lot of different characters, and I think what's so also, and I've said this, I don't know how many times, and I'll continue to say it to the day I die. If you have well thought out, drawn out, penned out <laughs> characters with layers mm-hmm. and with different backstories, and, and it doesn't take much. No. A simple, she gets one phone call, does Barb, oh, gets one phone call, has a little brief conversation with her mom, and then the rest of the movie, you can, you're like, I can either relate or I can, I know what this character is going through. Yes. And, that now she is yeah. is she important to me check yes she's yeah. important there's a plethora of that happening it's not just barb it's every character yeah. in this i love instantly i'm like okay great yeah because cool. you see uh you see phil right or mm-hmm. uh, i think it's short for phyllis, phyllis she's yeah. uh, the curly haired uh she's got the glasses on uh spoiler she makes another re- she makes a return of the franchise later we'll get into that later uh but she's like yeah you could see that she's maybe uh not as crass as barb mm-hmm. but she's kind of she's in that in between um then you have uh someone who's on the full opposite of barb who is very proper prim uh she's called a virgin by barb and Mm. stuff like that that's uh claire claire yeah and claire's huge because claire is uh going to be uh one of the first victims yes of the killer but is so thoroughly referenced throughout the entire movie mm-hmm. it's always about claire yeah and, and she's, she's just, the first victim and she's always there there's a constant you constantly know where claire is in this film uh nobody else does though and there's this really cool shot where they constantly go back to her it's right. the same shot over and over again but it's so what happens awesome. is uh uh these girls are getting um they have been apparently getting phone calls throughout the year whenever they're mm-hmm. getting these uh prank phone calls and they're they're more they're not prank they're more obscene yeah and when i say obscene guys i'm not even, i'm not going to repeat to what the killer says sure you are i mean i might <laughs> no i mean because it's very graphic okay so uh this movie well on imdb right every movie is rated as far as like in the bottom you scroll down you can see what the nudity level is right. what's the gore blood or whatever what's mm. the profanity level this one is red mm. severe yeah. it's the most profane because if you listen to the call he uses very disgusting language and i watched it with the subtitles Ooh. so i got all the juice <laughs> all of it no because um well okay so so you see the girls right and they're huddled around and uh and they've got these calls before right they've got these calls before this is this is a known prank caller and what you see and the point i'm trying to make here is you see these girls around this phone call and you see the development right. of the characters and because how are you reacting to this crass mm-hmm. really crass call and we see claire is very much offended by it mm-hmm. because barb kind of eggs him on and yeah. says a lot of hilarious by the way first line of the movie is the introduction to barb that i wanted because the it's the shot of the house and they go inside the house and the first line by is by margot kidder saying who left the goddamn door open <laughs> 
right away, right in your face. I'm like, I like this girl. Yeah. She kicks <laughs> it's, ass. It's, yeah, it's the perfect, you're right. It's the perfect yeah. line. Cause it also sets up like the doors are open. They left every door and window open in this place. Cause it's a sorority house. It's college. Also, these girls can be playful with somebody calling them. Cause they think it's just a frat boy down the street. You know what sure. I mean? Like there's so much of that going on in their world that it's like, ah, just another day, another, you know, another, another weird dude. Another deal but. that girls have to deal with in college like right. and every day it's just it's stupid and disgusting and you know they uh, I, but they have a very thick skin they obviously put that out there right away where barb do. especially don't yeah. don't care but barb gives a jab back at all oh, right yeah what is and, it uh go because he's saying something he wants to do with his tongue and what she say? go stick your tongue in a wall socket that'll yeah. give you a charge yeah i huh, got him good yeah and then That's, what does he say oh i'm not gonna say it Huh? I don't. Know. I don't. I don't want to say it. his rebuttal at the very end. I, and remember, oh, oh, sorry. Yes, the yes. call. It's not just. It's not just vulgarity. There's like gibberish in between each like word. Crackling and yeah. the sound of it is terrifying to me. Like it sound can really get you. This is the sound that's going to get you on the phone. Like yep. it's this. You're right. Snarling and this this whining and um just crackling and then he'll throw out some vulgarity and then at the very end of this call after Barb's giving him a sure. the jab, it's I'm going to kill you. Click. Right. How fucking terrifying is and that? And you see Barb go, ha ha. Oh. Shit. Yeah, because it was playful. You know, you got a dirty somebody dirty talking on the phone. That's one thing. But right now, the stakes have the stakes have changed. And remember, like I think raised. everyone can hear it, and then she pulls the phone to herself. So she's the only one that we know hears it at this point. Right. So she goes gulp, click. Okay. So that didn't sit well with Claire. Claire's like, you shouldn't egg somebody on like that. And Barb kind of goes back and forth with Claire. That you know, and it, you know, Claire's like, you know what? I'm just gonna go pack because Claire's gonna leave tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Uh, she's going to meet her dad and they're going to, and she's going to leave. Uh, we should mention this entire time, this entire time, the killer is in the house. He has snuck in through the attic, whereas he is going to, you know, this could be his base camp pretty Mm -hmm. much. Nobody ever thinks to check the attic for anything, but, um, we'll call him Billy, right? Yeah, the, the killer. Yeah, it, it happens on the on several of the phone calls. Actually, I think it's the second or third phone call. He finally says the name Billy. It's me, Billy. Yeah, it's me, Billy. You but know, so. he's never like saying, "Hey, it's me, Billy. What are y'all doing?" No, it's like he's having a conversation with himself. It sounds like I mean, it is one person, but he's having multiple personalities. Yes, kind of you know, you can almost out and, stuff. and he says mother. You'll hear mother in there a lot. So there's like he does this old woman voice. He does this like screeching boy voice. Yeah, and he does like another man. Kid. Yeah, um, yeah. What, what your mother and I want to know is or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, it's so creepy because it's so. D- nonsensical a lot of times it's like uh it's random yes it that's what i think is at its core so terrifying about this movie yeah and it's established in the pov that you were kind of talking about we don't, I don't think we ever finished that but the pov he climbs up the house the lattice on the that's on right. the side of the house and gets into the attic and we watch all of that happen through the eyes of who's going to become the killer and who's calling these girls from inside the house. So it's already established. This guy's in the house. Us as an audience knows that these girls do not and not, and they won't for quite a while, but there is zero reason Lance, zero reason. You should suspect that the call is coming from inside the house. Yeah, Why would you? Because there's one line in the house. Ah, technology has changed over the years. Yeah, okay. Well, Danny, you have a point to make about this. <laughs> I mean, no, it's just, it, there is such a nice 
um, you would never suspect that the two are connected to like, well, what did I just watch? Is someone in the house? You know, because mm-hmm. you're like, maybe it's just been like, because POV is is not new. Mm-hmm. We've seen POV many, many times. But you're almost like, is, is, my, is your mind playing tricks on you? You're like, wait, somebody is in the house, right? Mm-hmm. I just saw somebody sneak up. But then they get this call and you're like, well, okay, there's no way that they would be getting a call from the house. It is later revealed because we, I got to also mention one of my other favorite characters. There's a lot of favorite characters of mine in this, but yeah. the best house mother I have ever seen in yeah. my entire yeah. effing life, Mrs. Mac. So freaking, by the way, so awesome because she has hidden whiskey bottles all <laughs> over the house, yeah. like ridiculously hidden them. Like there's a book that she opens and it's like cut out to. Where she's got a whiskey bottle stashed. She's over there. Uh, she's brushing her teeth at the end of the night. And she's like, oh, where did I put the other one? She's had, she has it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Microphone. Mike, microphone. <laughs> <laughs> she has it hanging by a, uh, was like a, like a chain and like uh, <laughs> yes. the back of the toilet where the, where the water is. And she's just, it's established. She's just this like ridiculously like, you know, over it, mother, uh, watch figure i mean it's she's over it but she's still like attached to the girl she takes care of business like the girls like her they like buy her a gift which is one of my favorite parts they buy her a muumu they buy her a muumu and she turns to the camera and goes and not directly at the camera turns to the camera where the girls can't see her and goes like oh god what is this <laughs> and turns around they're like try it on and she's like oh no like, I'm not- oh no i'm not going to bed yeah oh no she hates it but it's so funny god. like you see the dynamic of all the women in this in this house and it's so funny with her being like the pinpoint on all i love them. i love her character um and for the for the exception of Claire, you see all the victims eventually. You see them all pretty much fleshed out and you get to know them way before. Because, yes, we do see some carnage almost almost immediately because mm. Claire goes up to to pack and the killer is, you know, in her closet and strangles her with uh, like a what is that uh, the plastic bag that you put over clothes, like yeah. a laundry plastic bag yeah. or whatever, um, strangles her with that and takes her up to the attic while everyone's just having like a little party downstairs. You know, right. it's a, like a little Christmas party. So it's like, we see, we see that, Oh shit, this is real right away, but we don't see another murder up for a while. No. And that's what I like about it is because they let the characters be established to where when they die, you're like, no, 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 oh, not her. Yeah. And when is it going to happen? Because there's tension in almost each death. Like, is it going to happen now? No, it's not going to happen now. It's going to happen in two seconds. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, but the first kill's great because they're... We haven't we haven't seen the killer. You're never gonna see the killer, really. Spoiler: You are never ever really gonna see the killer. Like not fully full face fleshed out. You never see the killer. And so yeah, on Claire's kill, the killer's in the closet hiding, and she's she goes in the closet. And you go, oh, this is it, and she walks out of there and like, okay, safe zone. Nothing's gonna happen. And who fucks that up? Claude the cat. <laughs> oh my god, Claude! I forgot about Claude. Claude the cat. Claude is important because he's going to be referenced so, uh, or he's going to be, yeah, he's going to be referenced so much in this movie by <laughs> almost everyone, but like ridiculously amount by. He's uh, kind of Mrs. the beacon Mac. of death too. Yes. <laughs> so he he starts meowing, and Claire is pushed back into the closet. She goes, "What is that? Who is that?" Because you can make out that there is somebody behind the plastic. I yeah. think that's what's very creepy about that moment. Is that like you never. 
you never fully see the killer. Mm -hmm. He's usually behind something or it's like an eye that's lit. Yeah, we've heard the breathing. So we know that there is somebody in that closet in this dark corner behind the, the plastic bag. And fucking Claude leads her back into the closet, out of the safe zone in the light in the room, back into the closet, and boom. This is why... This is why cats freaking suck. Oh, come on. No, they do. No, this cat, a, a dog would never, ever le lead you to your doom. This fucking cat, the, it, it's meowing this this girl it, or the, the, the victim into the closet where the killer is. A dog would never do that. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. Because cats, if you're drowning, they'll let you drown. A dog will bring you a rope and save you. That's why cats fucking suck. Cats suck. So is that why Michael Myers always killed dogs? Yes, of course. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because Lester found him and Lester was barking again and getting on everyone's nerves again. And that's why, he, you know, he was like, hey, Michael's right there. You know, I'm telling you. And that's why he kills Lester and he kills Sunday, too. So again, that goes into the subconscious genesis of all films. Everyone looked at that and said, okay, fuck the cat. Let's kill all the dogs. Like, this is one of those Genesis moments. Yeah, because a dog will help you. I mean, if uh, someone My dog would whispers, fucking run away, but, I mean, what? Charles, my dog would run. He'd be gone. For, well, if, if, maybe I'm, because I have that, you know, tiny uh, multi poo of Loomis, that somebody whispers at my front door, and he's like, oof, oof, oof. <laughs> he's, always, he's just like, I'm like, wow, that's a guard dog, but yet somehow, sometimes he, he's totally oblivious to some stuff. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, no, Char that would be hilarious if Charles is, oh, uh, Charles like, go to closet. Huh? Yeah. I gotta go. <laughs> Who's this? No, but, uh, yeah, that, that Claude, man. Claude really uh, Claude. screws Claire up. So Claire's dead. The party's going to continue and the day's going to end. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of, like, cool moments that, like, you know, we find out how much of these characters are intertwined into other people's relationships. So mm -hmm. uh, we meet right away the next day Claire's father, who was waiting to, to meet up with her. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, holidays and going to go home for the holidays. And he's never going to meet up with her. So through... Uh, Barb and other sorority sisters and then eventually the police and he's leading a like this sort of search party or or, or she's a she's missing now she's missing but it's one of those like oh, okay it's a college girl she probably missed a train it's only been a few hours it's not it's not been 24 hours and all that crap no one believes blah 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 it's not until later on where we find out Billy has been busy well but first of all <laughs> God damn, Officer Nash. Yeah. I hate that son of a... You put him... Let's If we can make an all-time fumbling idiot cops in horror movies, <clears throat> Officer Nash and the two from Halloween 5... Yeah. I won't even say the ones from the Halloween 2018 because they, they kind of... No, they're just kind of goofy, but yeah. they're not like bad at their job. So I was like, this dude is just... He's so absent-minded and he's like... I don't know. He pisses me off because everything that he if you could just do your job for two seconds, Officer Nash, somebody might live. And he fucks that up all the time because, um, well, thank God he's not the only point of, you know, reference for the law in this movie. Horror royalty himself, John Saxon, is playing yeah. the lieutenant, the lead, uh, uh, Authority. Uh, he was the you know, detective. Uh, 
uh, the, the the officer in Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. uh, Heather Langenkamp's. Uh, He's also in Enter the Dragon, but fun fact, away from, <laughs> fought, away from horror. He fought Bruce Lee. That's yeah, right. Totally. Guys, ask it. I love his character in this. He's like super warm and intelligent again that's always a big thing is if you're going to be a cop lieutenant or anything in a horror film have some intelligence and he has it he's always pretty much on the point once he finds out what's going on he kind of goes to the sorority house now what if you put him and uh uh sheriff meeker on the same team i knew you're gonna say meeker yeah yeah well you have i mean because you you know i'm not gonna say bracket because that's a team though they would kill all the boogeymen. Yeah. Just them two. I would just feel safe. Like, I would just feel like, oh, I just want to cuddle up next to you guys. I mean, John Saxon, he does have that sort of, like you said, warm, uh, inviting, safe presence yeah. about him. He doesn't ask any stupid questions no. when he goes and investigates the sorority house right. with the girls. He doesn't ask anything dumb. He just, he asks questions that are on point. There's a reason for the question. And he even, like, kind of cracks a smile or cracks a joke every once in a while with them, which... I think it was awesome. Like yeah. I, I immediately like him as well. Well, because you like authorities to be depicted to there where they want to be on your side, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, we get it. We're people too, but we can help the situation. Not these where they're like totally assholes about it. You yeah. Know, like, hey, whoa, 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 what do you mean? You said you said you went to bed at eight. Now you're saying seven. Right. What's going on? And, I'm like, and I get that that's a natural thing to kind of like think about, but like, he is on their side and wants to help. There's mm-hmm. never like a, and I hate that because it's always that the authorities never want to believe you, right? They're like, um, maybe that's it. They're showing you uh, what what's annoying in, in horror early on is this Officer Nash, which you get more. It sucks because in horror movies that come forward after this, you get way more Officer Nash type authorities yeah. where they're like, just blow it off. It's probably some prank. Then you do uh, John Saxon. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like it's such a ploy to like, oh, let's get the police out of the- Like, why didn't they go to the police? That's always the answer, you, you know, or the right. question that comes up. Why don't you just go to the police? Well, we did. And it didn't work. And I feel like it's such an easy out these days. Yeah. He's like writing her off. Oh, it's a hysterical girl. Or yeah, she's probably these, you know, these girls. And I'm like, God, take it seriously. Her dad is here asking, but he's doing that thing. Yeah. It hasn't been what, 24 hours. Usually they're shacked up with a dude and totally implicates the guy that, uh, Claire was seeing. Yeah. Right. Basically all the girls have a boyfriend in the mix, whether they're off for a while or, or whatnot, but all of them have, a boyfriend at, at the very beginning of this movie i feel like it could be anyone it's almost like a whodunit on accident it at is. first yeah because i but but maybe it is that way because we've seen movies that have done that to us before like because i did see black christmas way after i've seen a lot of movies that have done the whodunit thing mm-hmm. and i don't think you're supposed to have that feeling in black christmas you're almost supposed to take everybody at face value or you know to believe that these girls would like not be it's not a Blumhouse. Oh, it was always your, yeah. you know, your best friend all along. You know, this one is like legitimately we're all in this together. We're all being faced with the same dilemma. And they all get the call at the same time. Whether the, I don't think as the audience, I don't think you've made the distinction. Are the calls and the killer related yet? Mm. Um, for, but also, I want to mention the interaction between mrs mac and claire's father oh yeah i'm so <laughs> glad he came back to this oh my god that is because yeah. she's the house mother and she's trying to like you know it, she, she's the 
the face. adult representation, yes. the adult presence of the house. And the father's just like, you know, Claire's missing, but he's like looking around her, her dorm room and she's got these like, she's yeah. got a, you know, some posters and stuff that's like, you know, there's an artsy poster of like a nude butt it, and stuff. It's like 1974. That. This guy is always was supposed to be conservative, not in the political sense, just a conservative man who sent his daughter to college and yeah. she's enjoying the college experience. Yeah. And Mrs. Mack is totally going to be okay with it. She's not going to like buy beer for everybody. That's not what she's doing. Right. But she's not, but if like the girls are having a drink, she's like, man, it's whatever. Like, uh, that was a fun dynamic between her and, and him. Yeah, she's like trying to cover the nude butt on yeah. the, on the wall. And she's just like, but oh, again, you it's, give me a ride. It's funny, but it's a natural funny. There's so many little stories in here that just come up so naturally. I mean, we'll get into Jess's whole story, which is our main girl, but yeah. there's so many natural funny moments in this, like the, the Santa Claus moment with Barb. It was one, I forget whose boyfriend that is. Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's Phil's. I'm not sure. It might, yeah, I think it is. He's definitely a friend. Yeah, and he's dressed up as Santa Claus. And the first, thing, <laughs> the first shot we get, I'll give you the the rights to the impersonation here. Ho ho ho! Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just he's just this like he's a bigger guy. Okay, so the the sorority and like I guess their friend who's this guy they're doing like uh, they're gonna community service community so they're service, like handing yeah. out gifts mm-hmm. and whatnot to kids and uh, this guy who's a bigger guy and you know who he reminds me of he reminds me of Hollis yes from my bloody yes, Valentine absolutely. he's a bigger guy <laughs> he's got command you know he's got an awesome like, he's got facial hair and a mustache and stuff he reminds me of him but he's been like goaded in or asked to dress up as Santa right and right. every time he's there he's uh, you know he doesn't want to be there but every time he's doing his interactions with the kids, he's, he's like, ho, 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 bitch or <laughs> shit. He's just like, like he's yes. so mad. It's so great. And then Mark, uh, Barb, Margot Kidder, is getting wasted. Yeah. Getting wasted at, <laughs> at the handouts yeah. of, the, like, of yeah. the- Handing out gifts. Yeah. And, yeah. She's getting wasted. And at one point, is like handing a flute- of champagne yeah, yeah. to a kid and letting yeah. the kid get wasted. And the whole time, uh, uh, Claire's father, right, mm-hmm. um, is watching. The, and you know what I love about him? The, the reason it makes it work is because, you know, he's always stern. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's always disapproving of what these right. sorority girls and or these, you know, students are doing amongst him. They're like, you know cursing and drinking and losing their minds but he never breaks and it, yeah. it's so easy for somebody that's like over the top to play off of that it's very fun yeah uh yeah uh, i love uh, those those little moments though just these characters are breaking out and then uh claude comes and attacks again again <laughs> well claude is the reason that mrs mack it, it dies too so yeah. claude apparently has been taken up to the attic where he can just like meow people to their deaths fuck this cat man but anyway claude while <laughs> when he's meowing it's mrs mac is like claude yes. <laughs> she's just like come come give mommy a kiss before she leaves claude i'm like when have and to my friends who do have awesome cats i'm not talking about y'all's cats I am talking about every other asshole cat that I've met. And there's more <laughs> asshole cats in my life that I've met than there are nice ones. That being said, what cat has ever responded to that? Come give mommy a kiss. Do cats do that? Yeah, some seen do. 
If, uh, yeah, my nah. the cat that I had, we were very close. Oh yeah, yeah, and I could call her anytime I wanted to, and I would get a response. Okay, so, yes, right. it, it does happen. It's not like a dog where it's just like. Hur. I mean, yeah, you whisper, and Loomis is like, "What? What? What do you want?" Right. That's awesome. No, but cats are okay. Yeah. Okay, so she's calling the cat. Yeah, come hang out. Apparently, Claude is the house cat, and it will come if you call it. But. I mean, we. I do know this about cats. The only time that they meow is when they want to converse with humans. Yeah. So there. That was one of those, like, uber facts. They are very intelligent animals. Yeah. They're well. assholes, but they are very intelligent. Okay. But so, Claude. But Claude is just the yeah beacon of death. He meows Mrs. Mac to go into, at least peek into the attic to where she's looking around and there, I mean, this is such a great kill because Billy is holding this fucking pulley and um and hook just enough to where you think he's yeah it's he's holding it back enough to where if it swings anyone it's gonna go right over the opening of the attic and Mrs. Max sticks her head out she sees Bill she sees Claire, Claire then she turns around and sees the pulley and it nails her in the head and now you see her feet go all the way up she screams a little bit more and then the screaming has subdued yeah. but all this is while they pull her up through yes. the attic which is awesome and another thing is claire's placement is right at the window of the attic the whole time i mean with, a, with yeah. the bag over her head yeah. so it's this funny like oh she's at the window like if you looked up at the, <laughs> the window what i'm saying is like if you do look up at the window you would see her but it's the attic window so it's right. the, it you would have to like be far back and looking forward. Yeah, it's just a, it's an interesting and cool thing of like Claire, who they're looking for most of this movie, is right there in front of you, sort of a thing. He, she was displayed on the rocking chair right in front of the window she of was the there attic the whole time. Yeah. So now Miss Mrs. or Mrs. 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 Mac, Mrs. Mac gets it. She gets pulled through the attic door. See her little feet go. And is up. that when Billy loses it? Yes. Okay, so that is it. No, I don't know if that was it. Hmm. No, it's when... Yes, it is, because the, the taxi is waiting. The taxi... She's the only one left in the house. She's ready to leave. Right. Uh, she's going to go down to Florida or whatever. She's packing, yes. you know, Florida stuff. <laughs> uh, and she's getting ready to go, and the taxi's waiting outside, but she's like... She wants to say bye to Claude. Yeah. And Claude ruins her life. Uh, well, <laughs> Billy really ruins her life, but Claude was was an, an accomplice, too. He was. Um, Claude, so... Man. She is the only one in the house and now she's dead and Billy and all you see is his point of view of a guy screaming and we have to talk about I I mentioned this to you. I've heard dudes scream in movies hundreds of times. It's something about the way this guy screams and goes nuts that is so unnerving. It how about this? It it literally makes and I'm saying literally in the in the way I want him to say it makes my skin crawl. Yes. What and this scene sets it up even better because he's watching the taxi guy go fuck it I'm out of here and leaves mm-hmm. and then he's rocking the ch- the chair that Claire's in mm-hmm. and he's whispering I don't know why it's kind of inaudible it's, yeah. and then he loses it and you get that screaming snarl so there's like a setup and like this roller coaster ride and he fucking tears up the attic right. and it's all POV yep. and the screaming like there's just there's I don't think there's ever been anything like it that I can think no, of. I honestly, I mean, no, no, that, not that no. like puts the chill down your back. Turn up your audio when you watch the film. Absolutely, and it's absolutely 
terrifying. It's just like, him uh, alone. Just the audio. Yeah, it's if somebody is committed to uh, the you know an insane asylum and is like the ones that's like on the fiftieth floor down in right. the basement who they're screaming their life away. It uh, just we can't. Like I would, I would bust your ears if I even tried, and then and then I wouldn't even come close to it because it's so good. But when you hear this screaming, if your ears were paying attention to the call, you start to say, "Huh, that sounds like the caller," you know, mm. from earlier. If you if you if you match it up, it does kind of sound similar. Yeah. I mean, if you allow yourself to think about that, and you're like, "Well, wait a minute," that we heard the call. When this dude, or when the the POV was climbing into the house, mm-hmm. oh. so so your mind is already starting to do a little bit of a connecting the dots thing, which I really love about this this moment. Right, is like when you hear this scream, you're like, oh, you could take it at face value, but it's so much more, mm-hmm. it expands so much more, and then how it applies to what you've already heard and then what you're going to hear later right it, this moment is really pivotal yeah totally uh we got to talk about jess because we have not talked oh, about yeah. jess yet yes right jess jess is our main girl our survivor girl yeah she's the uh she's the main character by all um, tens of purposes uh jess is um in a relationship with a man named peter who uh is a music student and plays a conservatory she reveals to peter that she is pregnant yeah and this is a huge moment, and it's actually a huge, like, uh, it's it's a hot button topic to this day. But it's the way it's depicted on on this scenario. You don't, you know, you wouldn't expect to see it this way because you see the reverse. Peter, when he hears that Jess is pregnant, he's like, "That's great!" Yeah, and she's like, "I'm gonna have an abortion." Right, and it's like, "Wow!" I mean, not that that doesn't happen, but you're like. Usually in movies, when this scenario is depicted, it's the other way around. The yeah. man doesn't want it. The girl does. Well, she's like, no, I don't want to have the baby. And it's it, – I think that's why at the time Black Christmas was so like panned by you know, critics and – not critics because they could – you know, they understand that, you know, it's art and expressionism. But like, uh, audio, you know, it's very super conservative, just had their way with it. They're like, how dare they depict this – sort of situation you know yeah it, it was a great telling of it because it, it, it almost like forces jess to think about her entire life and it's the real life decision of you got a boyfriend you're not married you're in college you've got all this stuff going on and apparently it was an accident it wasn't something that was planned Absolutely, yeah so that's where her thing comes in she starts to reassess everything and basically tells peter at a point i don't even want to be with you like right. Peter's ready to get married Peter's and like, have I'm a kid drop, and I'm he's, drop out. he really wants to have this child. And then we get the mad piano scene because it's so Peter not- gets this news and she drops it on him before he's going to have this huge audition for the conservatory. Oh. And he, as he's playing the song, <laughs> I, remember, I was watching and I was like, huh? Um, <laughs> He's fucking this up because <laughs> uh, it's he's like hitting a lot of the notes, but I'm like I'm not a pianist, but he's yeah. like, dun, 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 dun. but it's like so, I was like that is that doesn't that doesn't sound right. Yeah. No, he's he's bombing. Yeah, this audition. And we've got some like judges or whatever. Yeah. Is who he's auditioning he's for? Profusely sweating. Yeah, and it's obvious that he's been so. And he's got some Beethoven stuff going on yeah. in there, and the, the judges or whatever they are just kind of like. Eh. that's not your day yeah so he bombs it and it's 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 obvious that he is still 
reeling from the uh, news of earlier today. What right. Jess said, you know, he's very. And, he did say, "I'm going to go talk to you later. We're going to talk about it." Right. Mm-hmm. Um. She's like, "It's not going to change my mind, but yeah, I'll see you tonight if you want to talk to me." Uh. He definitely doesn't get in, and we see him just lose it, take a a mic stand, and just destroy a piano, which. Is that your piano piece of shit? Oh, man. That might know. be the conservatory's piano. And it like who who has a traveling piano? No one. No okay. One. He just wheeled it to, to college. My ass. You know, he broke, destroyed school property. And you know what? It's you're thinking, this guy's very unstable. <laughs> yeah. I'd and for the so. most part, he's the only guy or the only man character who is depicted that way. There's, I mean, in the negative light, mm-hmm. I mean, Officer Nash is an asshole and an idiot, but that's just that. He's just an idiot. This guy is like, oh, this might be somebody that we should pay attention to, which I love that. I love that they, it's not red herring because he's in the mix all the way to the end to where you think it's Peter yeah. because you see him lurking around the house. He has, uh, he's snuck in. When Jess was supposed to meet him there, but she was late because simultaneously there's also a little girl missing. Yeah, good, good point. Uh, yeah, there's so a thirteen there's year old a, girl yeah, that was a, killed. Sorry, yeah, thirteen year old there. She's missing. So her mom plus Claire's dad plus all the sorority sisters plus the entire town, snowmobiles, dogs, John Saxon, a megaphone is all happening in the park, and. This whole time, I think Jess and Peter were supposed to meet at the house. She gets there a little bit late, so he sneaks in and goes and takes a nap in her in her bed while he she was waiting for her. It's just established that he's kind of a little too he's having a little bit too much liberty with uh, the surroundings about him. Yeah, and it's a little convenient at times. I think something. I think maybe we had just lost Miss Mrs. Mac upstairs, and then he comes down the stairs saying that he was napping in her room. So there's a lot of convenience with him, um, but he's they have an argument yeah. and they start to lose. It. And this is where John, uh, where Saxon comes in, Lieutenant, um, forget his name. Uh, Lieutenant comes and to investigate. Where's Claire? We have a missing girl, uh, which uh, was a 13 year old who we were searching for. And now we got to go find Claire because now it's on my radar. So the lieutenant comes in and. Uh, the boyfriend leaves. Yeah, but he, like, he leaves. He brushes past them, right? He, he leaves his jacket, by the way, too. Uh, and uh, so he's got his little green sweater on and yeah, no jacket. Very, very tightly fitted green yeah. sweater. Goes right past the lieutenant and the other girls that are coming in. I think Barb's one of them. And bolts out the door and uh, the lieutenant goes, who the fuck is that? Yeah, so, he, he he's not overly being too invasive, the mm-hmm. lieutenant, but he does obviously notice who is this guy, right? Yeah. So... Um, Jess is obviously not going to be like, oh, that's my boyfriend. By the way, I'm pregnant. I'm going to have an abortion. Like what? That's not what she's, she's not going to like offer that information, but eventually she will have to pretty much tell the Lieutenant because the obscene phone calls continue to, to come. Yeah. And pretty much Jess is going to hear all of them. Although (laughs) Jess is sweet. She's, uh, she's got like an English accent. She's a sweet girl. Uh, she was in Roxanne with, with Steve Martin, who I saw this on IMDb. She knows Steve Martin, when he met her, he was like, Oh, you were in my favorite film. And she thought it was like some like like other movie that she did or like, I don't know like a uh, Shakespeare movie or so. I don't know what she did. And he was like, "No, Black Christmas. Black Christmas is my one of my favorite films." Apparently, Steve Martin's seen it. Like he, he's revealed, he's like, "I've seen that movie over twenty seven times or something." Wow. Like that. So, but but I get it. 
But that movie, this movie's awesome. It's, yeah. it's it's up there with a lot of people's top tens, top fives, whatever. So anyway, uh, yeah, Peter's established he's unstable. The calls keep coming in. They're going to set up a trace, but this is the 70s. So setting up trace calls, you can't star 69 anything or, or whatever. So this is about kids who don't have technology or haven't lived in the last 20, 30 years. Uh, we used to have operators. My mom was one for GTE where you would, awesome. you would call the operator and the operator would be like, okay, who can I get you in contact with? And she takes your line and puts it in the other person's line. Yeah. She talked to a lot of people, Chuck Norris being one of them. Hi, mom. Hey. Uh, yeah. And this, that's how you would get a hold of people is you call the operator and the operator would patch you to that person. And operators were kind of around up until I think the nineties and then it went away. When we well, started to I get mean, cell phones and all this kind of stuff. I mean, at this point, yes, uh, it's still antiquated, but it's a little bit more advanced because the, you, know, you could dial the phone, the numbers yourself, but it's a rotary phone, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, which I love those phones. You know, if you want to call somebody, you got to work for it. Yeah. One. Yeah. yeah. Seven. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, uh, totally. But anyway, um, so they're going to set up a trace to see where these calls are coming from. But it's a mechanical trace. This isn't like an electrical thing. Right. So. Keep he, going. Yeah, the, the the technician's awesome. I love that yeah, guy. Yeah. His name is Graham, and I'm like, was that on purpose? Because of Graham Bell. Anyway, huh. uh, hey, my name is Graham. I work at the phone company. Tell me <laughs> another one. <laughs> so uh, stupid. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> this guy, he's got to go back to the base, right? He's got to go back to where the hub is for that quadrant. All right, and he's got to. <laughs> he's got to find out. Where the, he's, you know, it's, it's old school. He's got the cords going in. He's got to find out where the call is coming from and all that stuff. Um, whilst the call is happening, look, I'm not going to pretend what the hell is going on with this phone company tracing scenario. The point is, he's looking for something and we need to let him look, but it takes time, right? Mm -hmm. It takes time. So they have, they tell Jess, you know, when the calls come in, you got to keep him on the phone right. for at least what 10 minutes that's a no that's a long phone call for a while you got to okay <laughs> 10 minutes no but like i don't want to have a call for 10 minutes no no you gotta keep him on the phone for a long time meanwhile fuller is listening as well at the police station but like who wants to keep this obscene phone call going for longer than it has to i mean she is getting these calls and they are very obscene and they're very disturbing like this guy's just calling and he's just like billy Like, I don't want to keep that on for longer than a second, you know? And it's not just that. She has to hear him, like, do things like, nerk, nerk, nerk. Like, is that what his sounds like when he's, you know, doing it? I don't fucking know. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's what's going on. She has to wait for that to happen. Uh, but uh, uh, this scene, you just mentioned it. There's... There's so much tension in this scene of just watching this guy try to, he's going down rows of lines of, of phones and phone numbers and all this kind of stuff, trying to find where this bell is going off so he can connect the line and figure out who it is. And Peter calls during one of them. Peter, oh. Jess's boyfriend, who's kind of been losing it. We already saw him attack the piano that doesn't belong to him, probably. Who was seen waiting outside, by the way. Who's waiting outside without his, he just wants to get his jacket. But, no, he's an asshole. Uh, <laughs> but Peter calls and he loses 
loses it. He's like crying on the phone, talking to Jess about, I want to keep the baby. Don't I want, kill the baby. Yeah, don't kill the, don't kill the baby, which is the, the big line because now Lieutenant Fuller comes in and goes, what does he mean by don't kill the baby? But his voice in this sounds just like the calls that we've been getting the whole time. I mean, we, they may have done double duty and they got this guy to do the voices for. The I don't callers. think they did. I think Billy is cast in this, but I don't know. Um, anyway but there's this not only is there tension but there's like there's three calls basically one from our actual killer one from billy or one from uh uh, peter peter thank you and then we get another one from billy so we're tracking this but there's so much tension in trying to find who or where the call is coming from right and then we get the payoff well because when graham is tapping the phones he asks jess are there any other phones in the house? Right. And Jess says, uh, there's a phone in Mrs. Mack's room. And John Saxon, Lieutenant Fuller, says, oh, yeah, but it's a separate number. You don't have to worry about that. It is. I, they, that's the, my, that's probably my only problem with the movie is that it was the yeah. that line sticks. It's as it's as much like if you he should have just punched me in the face instead. It would have been more subtle because of what the movie ends up being is that he was using that phone the whole time. But if he wasn't, then you would just think like the guy's not in the house. Yeah, he's there. Are no cell phones. Talk about like the the subconscious genesis. This reminds me so much of when a stranger calls. Uh, Halloween four, where the killer's in the house. You think you're totally protected and fine. Uh, there's even a shot in here, which I actually put in, in notes where they go to, uh, I think it's Claire's boyfriend. Who's a hockey player. And they oh, yeah. show a real fast clip of a hockey mask, which is all painted, but just the way it's kind of a jarring moment. Uh, there's almost, just, yeah, there's so many little threads that I felt like got created into full length movies and franchises later that are in this. And that was one of them of like when a stranger calls the killers in the house, we make that connection because Graham makes that connection and goes, Oh, here it is. And then we tell Lieutenant Fuller it's coming from inside the house. Well, I think it's the way, cause first of all, Nash ruins everything, right? But Nash gets yeah. the information and he relays it to Fuller. Who's, uh, in the car, in, in the police car. Uh, cause they are, they put on an APB. They're looking for Peter, right? Cause Fuller is like, this yeah. guy's a point of a person of interest. Yeah. Um, so they're looking for him simultaneously also dealing with, uh, the fact that they found the, they did find the 13 year old girl, the search party did dead in the, um, park. It was her mom just, uh, that's such a terrible moment. But, um, mm-hmm. so there's now the search party is, you know, they're out and they're looking around, but anyway, Phone company calls Nash and tells him this, the phone, the, the calls coming from this address. Right. So Nash calls Fuller on the walk on the uh, radio. He says, yeah, he says it's coming from a seven, nine, eight, whatever Belmont or let's just say, right. And Fuller goes, Nash, you dumb idiot. You messed it up. That's the, that's the house that the calls are coming from. The calls are going to, he's like, no, they're also coming from there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a big moment. You're like, oh, Nash, you didn't mess that up. It's just. But then also Nash calls the house, right? And they- well, because Fuller, uh, Fuller says, listen, I can't get through. They had posted a cop outside the house to watch. Um, he goes, I can't get through. Call Jess on the phone. Mm-hmm. Tell her to get out of the house, to walk towards the front. I'll be there in five minutes. Don't tell her that the calls are coming from inside the house. Right. Don't scare her. Don't tell her to leave. And that's it. Yeah. I'll be there in five minutes. And then he like, he's like, I'll be there in five minutes. 
Nash, if you screw this up, I'll kill you. And you're like, he's going to screw he's it gonna up. He's going to screw it up. And he tries. He doesn't try. <sighs> he tried. I mean, I give him I, a, a redemption point because he kind of tried kind not of to tries. tell Jess. I think there's way better moment because he goes, Jess. Oh, yes. Hi. This is Officer Nash. I'm going to tell you something, but I don't need you to ask any questions. Already, you're fucking up. That's yeah. not how you lead into it. He's like, Jess, I need you to do me a favor. Put down the phone. Walk outside. D- Detective uh, Lieutenant Fuller is oh, going to meet you. What a like! Put yourself in that. You oh have this huge three story house. There's a huge attic behind you. You're pretty much at the front door. I think the, the oh, phone was yes, right at yes, the front door. Right All you have there. to do is walk three or four feet to get out of the house. But some cop is telling you calmly too. That was the thing. That's why I give him the he redemption point. He calm. does try. He's somewhat calm and says, "Get out of the house." Imagine that. Imagine oh, no. being in that moment of why the fuck is a cop telling me to walk five feet out of my door right now without telling me anything else and sounding like that. Yeah. Oh, that, that gives me the chills. No, I mean, it's incredibly chilling. It's kind of like I've done this inadvertently sometimes to Caitlin and she hates it when I do it. But oh, it's like, if, like, let's say we'll be in the house and uh, there's like a spider on the wall. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's behind her. And I know she'll be terrified if she sees it. I'll just be like, babe. Get up, walk towards me right now. Yeah. But the fact that I said it that way and the way Caitlin is and the way Jess is in this moment, actually, it's pretty coincidental was she's like, well, wait, 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 what do you mean? Well, what's going on? Yeah. Right. That's what Caitlin would do. She'd be like, why? Why? What's happening? And I'm like, well, see, now it's ruined. So, yes, Nash does try to tell her, but I think he's a little bit too aggressive. It's more of like, I'm the authority. Do what I say sort of thing. And just doesn't respond to it to where he has to blurt it out. Jess, Jess, the calls are coming from inside the house. Oh, my gosh. When that is said. I yeah I'm I'm done man because the whole moment is also heightened with the fact that Phil's dead as well, Barb is dead, dying terribly by a unicorn, yeah, a glass unicorn to her chest. So Jess is literally the only one in there, and she's just looking up to an empty staircase. You almost think that like Billy's just gonna pop out, and he just never does, and Jess. Didn't listen. She has to go look. Yeah. She's, well, she's calling for Phil. Phil, Barb, answer me. And they don't answer because they're dead. So she has to go look. And I'm I'm screaming at the TV. I'm like, you just need to get out. That's yeah. all you need to do. Can you imagine the theaters when oh, this yeah. movie was happening? Well, And you mentioned it, too. There's a shot that it goes straight from her where she's screaming. And it goes to the staircase. And you're right. It's like you expect him to just be up there. Like the Michael Myers scene. You know what I mean? I feel like, but, um, again, that Genesis sort of a thing it's like oh you know what would have been really cool is if he was standing at the top of the stairs that's where it came from for halloween but um there's nothing there yet again we see nothing so now there's just the mystery of oh fuck i gotta go back up there i gotta go find my friends because there's something wrong here they need to get out too not just me right so we get our survivor girl out of this so jess goes and looks around and you know pushes the door open sees first she finds a weapon all right, she gets has to get the the fire yeah. poker. You got it. You got a weapon. And we see like a. It almost feels like a point of view. There's no breathing, so I don't think it is. But you see like a a shot through all the stairs, and you just see her kind of grab it barely. So it looked like a point of view sort of thing. So like yeah, he knows. No, it, it is a good moment because like, not that there hasn't been final girls before. Well, I don't know. I mean, it, maybe it's 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 at the same time. It's between her and Sally, right? It's Sally who survives seventy mm-hmm. uh, four. Yeah, I mean. Uh, 
Texas. Texas. Yeah. So she's like, I'm going to arm myself. I'm going to, you know, fight back, essentially. She doesn't know what she's dealing with yet. She goes upstairs and with the poker and she's trying to open the door, right? And she pushes open the, she tries to push open the door and... Well, she's struggling a little bit when she doesn't realize what she's struggling with. Anyway, she opens the door and she looks forward. Who she see dead over there? Barb, mm -hmm. right? Right. And she sees Barb's dead and her focus changes ever so slightly. Because you know when you open the door, there's the hinge. Yeah. Where the hinges are. There's mm -hmm. that crack. You ever open the door? Anyway. <laughs> uh, so she sees in the crack behind the door. I mean, every kid who's ever played hiding and seek can, has done this. And you're looking through the through the crack, and she—it's just the eye, just the <laughs> eye, right? And it starts talking. The eye starts talking. She's like Agnes, Agnes, right? It's the—it's the same line or the same voice from the prank phone calls. She knows that the call's been coming from inside the house. That's the killer. Put two and two together, and she takes off well he says it's billy at the oh right that's the last thing he says and she takes off right through the house and it's the most terrifying scene it's got to be top five terrifying scenes in horror films for well, because me. she's being chased so aggressively it's the sound yes you hear the screaming that you've heard on in batches on the phone is now constant through the house as she runs and <laughs> as she runs through this house and you're hearing, you know, all everything that you've heard is now one constant. And then she gets down to the bottom of the stairs and you you won't see the killer, but you get a hand grabs her by the hair. Oh, my but God. Did you, did you notice it with the hand that grabs? It's wearing a sweater, too. Yeah. And it almost looks green. So you're like, oh, it's Peter. Yeah. There's another good shot where you see a, a batch of green and it definitely looks like Peter for a second, for sure. So there's still plucking away it's peter it's peter it's oh man peter, i'm really that moment it, it's so because you've seen the girl uh the final girl get chased by the killer at the end all the time at this point in our lives we've seen this all the time this is the first time really it's, oh, it's the same year but like again yeah. you're seeing this and it's so well shot that you never see the killer as she escapes all the way down to the basement lo padlocks herself in there and oh man, we were talking about this. How he he starts banging on the door and is screaming, and I can't stress this enough, guys. This scream is so it makes your skin just want to like yeah. leap your body. If your if, if your skin does not crawl when you watch this, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, you could probably do the same voice yourself. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and it is. It's just man, there's just something so special because it's not even a terror. It's not just the terror. It's the anxiety of, holy shit, this guy is really nuts. And now he's going after this oh, first yeah. time that he's like roaming around the house in the open sort of a thing, but you still can't see him. And then we get down to the basement and it's, it's go time. It's there. I mean, it's go it's, time because now all the, all the uh, elements are coming to a head. So we've had the, the killer attacker. We know the fuller's on his way. Yep. Um, and, Someone, well, she's in the basement, you know, basements are, you, they have like the, the floor windows or, or yeah. their windows that are above if you're in the basement, but from the outside, they're like, you know, on the, from the ground level. So somebody's looking through and wiping through the ice because it's obviously cold. Well, it was a creepy shadow too, which was really cool. Really well shot at least. It's just, and it's Peter, right? And he's like, Jess? Yeah, it was like muffled. Jess, are you in there? And he's like wiping <laughs> yeah. the, the glass and you're like... Oh. 
oh, Peter, get out because you're going to die. But then Peter busts the window and climbs in. And I'm like, no rational person would just bust a window and like climb in. So it's like, what in the good God is your thought process? You're like, huh, I think Jess is in there. Let me check. Bust open the window and climbs in. So you as the as the viewer are like, oh, it's him. Yeah. It's him. He's the guy because he's he wants to get to Jess so bad he's just gonna bust through this window. Yeah, and then you can uh, go through the door, dickhead. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he busts. It's a small window too, so now he's got to climb through. Yeah. shattered glass. He gets down into the basement, does a, a quick search, kind of looking around, and he's got the most insane look in his eyes and his face, and it's it's oh man it, that's terrifying in itself jess is hiding in the corner and then they make eye contact that part that part always te- that part scares <sighs> me that he just like because it's like when they're when they're looking for you right the killer's looking for you or someone's looking for you they're like hey are you there hey come on are you there and then let's say they actually just like oh yeah you're there that's scary to yeah. me because she just like makes eye contact and he's like Hey, and our killer on the phone has had multiple personalities. So him having this, Hey Jess, what are you doing over there? What's going on? You're like, no, 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 I I don't trust that. Why didn't you, why didn't you call? You were just crying a little while ago. You were, you, you busted up the piano, like stormed out of the house after an argument. Shit's, shit's going down with you. Yeah. And we just see him kind of walk out of frame towards Jess. Fuller arrives and you hear blood curdling screams from Jess coming, you know, from the basement and Fuller and, and the rest of the, of the officers, you know, go down into the basement. They find Peter dead, eyes open, blood on his face on Jess and Jess with her eyes closed. You're like that. They both get killed by the killer. All right. You still don't know what happened. Did you know did, did they both kill themselves? Mm-hmm. Like what happened? And Jess kind of just opens her eyes. So she kills Peter. It's, you know, that's what happened. We think, yeah. or the killer may have killed Peter and let her live. Don't, I mean, I think the more obvious is that she kills Peter. Yeah. I, I give her the credit. Yeah. For the kill. She kills Peter with the, with the poker, the red hot poker poker. Um, and she's left to recover in her bedroom. Uh, Detective Fuller's like, I always knew. I always knew. I had a feeling about that guy, about Peter. About Peter. So everyone's kind of just, you know, closing the book. They're still looking for Claire. Claire's dad is there. He's like, well, I mean, I'm just, well, I guess I'm just waiting or whatever. And, you know, Detective Nash is, or Officer Nash is doing a terrible job of corralling the press who are apparently in the house. So everyone has to go deal with that. So Fuller leaves. The boy, Claire's boyfriend leaves. The dad passes out because he, he, you know, he goes into shock. At one point, he's like, I can't put his body was probably like, all right, you need to, you yeah. need to pay attention. So Jess is, you know, asleep on the bed. The doctor who put her under leaves. Everyone's gone. Everyone leaves. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? I mean, I know that it's pretty cut and dry that it's Peter, you think. But still, you don't just leave someone there. You should take her to the hospital at least, right? Or watch her. Well, again, changing of the times, who knows? I mean, maybe back then it's like, okay, you're fine. We got the guy. Go ahead and rest up. What I love about this is we get this... The still shot. It's just her in the bed, and we hear everything happening. We right, hear yeah. voices telling, it's, it's like, "Oh, away. Yeah, yeah. right." I knew this was gonna happen. We even have um, a cop come in and check on her, and then turn off the light. 
and he's in the the complete shadow that we had from the beginning of the film, which I thought was cool. It's just it's seventies. That's kind of how it goes. Even the audio is seventies, and but that's why it's so effective. It, adds to it so much. So yeah. we get all that, and now we know that everyone has left just through the audio. We're watching Jess laying down in bed the whole time, and then the camera moves, and that alone was creepy. Mm-hmm. So then we go to the next room, and we see the crime scene. We see blood on the bed, which I think was Barb's bed. I think we go to another room. Uh, where well, it's doing Phyllis, that. It's doing that thing that Halloween did, right? Or did Halloween get it from there? I think maybe where they're showing pretty much all the places that a body was found or that a killer a kill was a kill happened, right? And then it shows goes up to the attic, back up to the attic. We haven't found Claire. We haven't found. We haven't found uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Mac. Mrs. Mac. They're up there. They're and still up there. So is Billy. So is Billy. Yeah, and that's pretty much the movie. Oh. The movie focuses on Claire's face against the window, zooms out of the whole house, keeping the focus on her. That's a wonderful shot. Keeping yeah. the focus on her face against the window under the bag, zooms out, shows that there's a cop posted at the front door, and what starts happening? The phone rings. The entire credits roll while a phone. Very short credits, by the way. Not very, oh, yeah. not very many people are part of this production, apparently. But not only does the phone ring through the entire credits, it rings louder and louder and louder. And on top of all that, the cop that's left behind even like turns around for a second. Like, like should, should I, I answer that? That's such a little fucking detail that I love that maybe it was on accident. But the fact that the guy's like, huh. No, I guess I'll keep going. We know that the killer's still in the house, still making the phone call, still ready to kill Jess. All the cops left think the the book's closed on Peter and not even close. Who's he calling? He killed everybody. He just, he's, he just, he's loco. And you know oh what? There was no reason. He just did it because, and that I think to bookend my love for Black Christmas, which I absolutely love this movie, is the one constant of what I like in a horror film there was no reason it just happened yeah and it's so effective in this film i mean we didn't get a sequel out of it so maybe that's why i consider it even more effective. yeah because like let's say we're looking we're we're talking about halloween in the same vein yeah we're probably heralding it even maybe that's the reason that black christmas didn't get as as popular as halloween did because first of all you never see the killer so there's not a lot of merchandising to be put on masks and such exactly you see an eye and uh i mean later they tried to exploit how much of billy you saw in this film with its later reimaginings. Right. So we'll get into that obviously later. But um, Black Christmas, the OG slasher film, the yeah. film that started the entire slasher genre. Yes. And I I feel like maybe something that hindered it was that it was Black Christmas. People call it a holiday horror film only kind of a thing. I don't know what it is, but people do not talk about this film enough. And I... I've seen it. I've seen it actually gone into like different podcasts and different like forums and they'll they'll put it Black Christmas versus Halloween. mm -hmm. Let's talk turkey, you know? Yeah. And you know what? This movie can stand on its own. The fact that it started it all. The fact that there are definitely some things that look like Halloween may have been inspired by and or, you know, borrowed, I'll say. Um, but I won't go that far. Um, but there is definitely a lot that this movie inspired future slasher films to use. Definitely watch 
10 out of 10 would recommend um oh wait should we we are supposed to do our yeah man we gotta rate the film come on so uh how many uh candy canes do you give this one i give this candy cane this movie out of five candy canes yeah out of five i will give it five yeah five absolutely one of my favorites if you haven't seen it see it uh again i every time i watch this film i like it more and more and more i'm gonna watch it again before christmas happens i i still i've seen it like like over four times or whatever and sometimes i'm like oh it is peter who's the kid i'm like what how do i there's so many intertwining stories but again what i emphasize on that is they all come up so naturally and each character bounces off each other so naturally that it's just a good film it's well written i believe and uh the killer's just terrifying in this and you're on the hook until the very end and it's just one of those like perfect horror films almost. I mean, it's, it's, it's very close. Oh God. It's, it's entering, it's going higher and higher up my top five, up my top 10 or whatever. Like every year I watch it and like, man, it just gets better. And it's old. It's 1974. Like it just has aged so well, I believe. So, uh, on that, yeah, definitely five from both of us. Definitely gushing about this film. Rightfully so. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else to say about it, Danny? No. Just really watch it and um, enjoy it. Uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Black Christmas. Merry Black Christmas. All right. That's Danny. I'm Lance. This was Black Christmas 1974. And Slash's Paradise is reminding you to lock your door. Bolt your windows. And who left the goddamn door open? (laughs) Join us next time on Slash's Paradise for another holiday treat. Possibly. Possibly. That's Danny. Bye.